It's a plane. It's a bird. It's watermelon crawling. It's Tracy Bird on the Music Universe podcast. Where do you come up with this stuff, Matt? I don't know. It's week four in isolation, <laughs> and I've just had it. Because now I'm picturing Tracy Bird flying through the sky on a watermelon. It's just not... Okay, that that's an updated animated video for Watermelon Crawl. Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, it was such a pleasure chatting with him. Uh, Tracy Bird, you know, a lot of... Uh, a lot of great country out of uh, Beaumont, Texas there. Obviously that song keeper of the stars was huge hold in heaven. We also talk about a couple of other uh, more obscure songs that he's uh, recorded and released and uh, super excited uh, that he joined us. Yeah. We talk about everything from his hits to new music to Texas music. This was a fun one. It went for about 33 minutes. So we're going to shut up now and just here's the interview. The legend himself, Tracy Bird. Welcome to the podcast. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Oh, we're hanging in there. You uh, you enjoying your time at home, or are you going a little stir-crazy? Oh, man, I would rather be working, for sure. Uh, rather be on the road. I I, uh, I I guess it's great to, or in one respect, to force me to take a little time off, because I'm usually not real good at doing that, but... Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, I've had enough. I'm ready to <laughs> ready to get this over with. But uh, I know there's a lot of folks out there, you know, hurting, and and uh, I know they're all ready for it to get over with too. Especially the the you know wage workers and the folks out there that depend on their jobs every week. And uh, heart goes out to them. We uh, we hope this will be over with quick. And and uh, also, you know, our prayers go out to all the folks that have passed away and their families and man it's just been crazy i've never seen anything like this in my my lifetime yeah it's definitely something uh that everyone's calling the new normal what are you doing to prevent yourself from going stir crazy we've been back and forth from uh we're, we live down here in beaumont texas and uh we're, we're about 60 miles from from the coast uh the gulf of mexico and we have a place down there so we we've, we've you know, been able to spend some time down there, which has been nice. Uh, it's a little more, uh, uh, distant, I guess you would say there's, there's not a whole lot of people down there. So it makes for a good spot to, to do uh, pretty natural social distancing, you know? And, uh, uh, so we've spent some time there just to kind of just, you know, stay away. And, uh, uh, but, uh, you know, other than that, just, you know, Working, I, I, I'm on the road so much that I had plenty of projects that I've been meaning to get to for a couple of years, and uh, so those are those are getting done finally. You know, so I do a lot of my own kind of you know uh, repairs and that kind of thing. I enjoy that kind of stuff, and so I've been working on a lot of that. Awesome. You know, I wanted to ask uh, what it was like with road dates and stuff when you started losing them. If anything's been rescheduled and what uh what you miss most about performing during this time well i miss you know it's what i love to do um i miss the fans and miss playing music you know and and i've been you know playing a lot of you know sitting around playing guitar and and done a few things online you know and uh and that's that's nice but it's not you know it's not like nothing's like the real thing right and uh 
you know, with a crowd right there in front of you. And, and uh, so, so I'm missing that a lot. But uh, we've had, um, I guess I've had four dates that actually canceled that we just had to do away with, uh, which is not bad. Uh, we, we moved, we've moved probably another half a dozen to later this year. And we've moved a few that were like festivals and, uh, one, one like cancer benefit type thing that they just decided to just not do this year and just move them to next year. So, so basically that we still have those shows. It's just going to be a year before we, before we play them. So, uh, so, you know, we were really not starting the bulk of our really, really hard work until, till June. So, so if we, you know, if this thing gets passed, I mean, I've, a couple of the ones that canceled were in June. It was people that just didn't, you know, there's, if you're putting on a festival or something like that, or if it's a big fair, uh, you know, there's so much that goes into that, that, that these people had to just pull the plug because it was just so uncertain of, of if they would be able to do it or not, you know, and, and it's just, it's logistically for those kind of people, there's so many, uh, volunteers involved and so many different things involved with a festival and a fair that, man, you just got to know if you're going to be able to do it or not. So they just had to, you know, it was just the smartest thing for them to do to just kind of pull the plug and move on to next year. And, uh, so my, you know, I feel for those folks too, cause that's just, you know, uh, there was tons of tickets sold to these things already. And, and, uh, they, they'll have a lot of work doing just to refund everyone's money or move it to next year. Or, I mean, it's just, it's hard, hard on the entertainment business, uh, the restaurant business, you know, uh, clubs and things like that. Just, it's just really tough for them to, to deal with this, but, uh, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. You got to deal with it and, and we're resilient and we will, and we'll move on and, and, uh, things will be good. Yeah. Now, um, not to, you know, dampen any spirits or anything, but, um, hearing a lot of talk, uh, this week, especially that, um, experts and even state authorities are saying uh, we shouldn't have any mass gatherings, concerts, any type of sporting events for the next up, up to two years. Are, are you concerned with that at, at, at this point? Oh, my goodness. That would be awful. Uh, I have not heard that. That's, uh, man, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously I'm concerned, absolutely. Uh, uh, been concerned. I, I don't. You know, I don't know. I wish, um, I mean, I've heard so many things throughout this whole <laughs> situation, uh, that have, you know, either not come to pass or been the wrong information that I just, I'm just not putting any, anything into anything until it's, until it's said and done, you know, it's, it's, yeah. if that's what it is, then that's what it'll be, you know, we'll, it'll be it'll be really sad. Uh, uh, but you know, if that's what it is and that's what it takes to keep people safe, then I guess that's what it'll be. But, uh, uh, I certainly can't see that happening. I mean, two years, that's, uh, you know, surely we can harness this virus, uh, you know, sooner than that and, and, uh, you know, find a vaccine and, and, and get people back to living normal lives and, you know, and enjoying ourselves and doing the things we like to do. But, uh, 
you know, I, that uh, that's out of my control. Uh, you know, that, that's uh, that's that'll be up to someone else. And and uh, I'm a Christian, and I just uh, well, I, I've recognized when things are out of my control and God's control, and He's got the the reins on all of that. And I I just uh, you know, there's nothing nothing I can do about that to to change it or to uh, speed it up or anything like that. I just have to you know do the smart thing and stay calm. Yeah. Oh, 100%. And I, I don't put any stock into these kinds of projections. I, I try to just play it day by day. First time we've ever been in anything like this, we don't know what the future holds, you know, and, and uh, it's just best to just relax and just try to stay safe and things will happen at their own pace. Absolutely. 100%. Now, are you taking this time to work on any new music? Uh, yeah, I have been coming. I have been re- in writing, uh, I had, you know, that was another thing. I had some, you know, a book of ideas that I, I always just, well, not a book really anymore. It's my phone. But uh, <laughs> I, I just jot them down and use my voice recorder and record melodies and things. And and uh, so so then, then I come back to them, you know, when I feel I have the time to really give them, uh, give them uh, the attention they deserve. And, and so I've been starting to do that a little bit, and um, which is good because I really want to cut a new studio album. I would like to go in this winter and, and record a new studio album of all new tracks. You know, uh, we've got our live at Billy Bob's album out right now, and yep. uh, so that's the first live album we had done, and and uh, so it's been out since last November, and and so it's and I haven't put out a uh, a new studio album since uh, gosh. 2017, I guess. Uh, I did uh, All American Texan, which was my last mm-hmm. thing that I wrote a bunch of songs for and went in and cut them. And so it's about time to do that again. And I've got a lot of ideas, just got to finish them. And uh, and hopefully we'll be able to get in there in the winter and, and uh, get some work done in the studio. With the Live at Billy Bob's thing, um, I've always wanted to know, because I have a bunch of Live at Billy Bob's albums, yours included, What's that process? Did when you book the show, do they come to you and say you want to record? What's the outfit? Because that's like a whole series that they do. It's a business partnership between Billy Bob's and and Smith Music Group, uh, which is out of Fort Worth. And uh, they had asked me to do it many times through the years, but uh, you know, obviously, when you're on a you know a record label, the record label is not going to allow you to go out and do other people's projects. So. So I kind of had to just wait till the time was right, and and uh, we play Billy Bob's at least once a year, and and uh, this this past June they you know they got with us when we booked the show and said, hey, would you like to <clears throat> do the recording? You know, and I said, you know, I said absolutely, and they had changed and started working with uh, with the people that I record my my uh, studio records or I recorded my last one with uh, some folks out of Tyler, Texas. So I, I was happy about that. I was happy with who they were working with now and said, yeah, let's do it. You know, let's, let's record it. And, uh, and it's really a simple process. I mean, they bring in mm-hmm. all the equipment to the show and, and you just do your normal set, you know, you just do whatever you want to do and they record the whole thing. And then we take it to, to the studio and, and mix it and, uh, and master it and get it, uh, sounding and 
and work on, you know, sync it with the video because we did a DVD also and, you know, video of the concert. And so all of that's done in post-production. But And then that's it, really, just, uh, you know, kind of pick a cover and do a little of the artwork kind of stuff and get the get all the uh, credits right. And and it's a, they've got it down. I mean, they've done, I was their 53rd, I think. Oh, wow. uh, and so, you know, they've done it, they've done it a lot of times. <laughs> and, uh, so, so they got it down to an art. Now, um, yeah, you mentioned, uh, that you got a DVD, you got a CD and a vinyl. What, uh, what's it like to finally release some vinyl again? Yeah, that was the first vinyl we've ever had. And, uh, that's really cool. I mean, I grew up on vinyl, so, <laughs> so I like, I like, uh, having that out there and, and hearing the, you know, the little hiss of the needle on the vinyl, and it's pretty cool. Uh, the best thing about vinyl was artwork, too. You know, I always loved the artwork on the vinyl because it's bigger and you can see it and, and enjoy it. So pretty neat. Yeah, and uh, it looks like there's uh, autograph copies that fans can buy on your website. Uh, I'm not seeing a track listing, though. How many uh, songs can we expect? Well, uh, on, the, on the DVD, on the, I mean, on the CD, uh, there is, uh gosh i think 17 songs uh on the on the album the lp there's only uh i think we got 11 on there because you're limited on on vinyl that's the one thing you're limited to a certain amount of time you can put on each side you know uh mm-hmm. and it's like mm-hmm. 37 minutes total i think on combined sides so so it limits you to what how many songs you can put on it but uh but yeah, so there, so the vinyl doesn't have as many as the as the CD and the digital, you know, the stuff where you could get, uh, you know, like you get on iTunes and all that. There's there's a whole lot more songs on there. So speaking of the songs and all of your greatest hits, I've always wondered because one of my favorite country songs growing up, truly, because I had this, it was something called Ultimate Party Country. There was a bunch of artists on it your uh watermelon crawl was on there and i have always wondered if i could if we could pin you down for an interview what that story is behind watermelon crawl where that came from that is just such a fun song yeah it is a fun song and and it it was written i didn't write that uh buddy brock and zach turner wrote it and uh and they're old georgia boys and, and of course there's there's watermelon festivals all over the south but especially in georgia and uh and I think it was just uh you know, just memories and thoughts of them growing up and going to these watermelon festivals and uh one day they sat down and, and wrote Watermelon Crawl and but the story after I got a hold of it was was that uh uh the head of A and R at MCA Records, which I was on at that time, she was leaving and and uh and the day she was cleaning out her desk and everything uh, and headed out to go work for another record label, I came in the, in the building and, and she handed me a cassette tape. That's how long ago that was. And, uh, <laughs> she, she handed me a cassette tape. She said, Hey, I'm not probably not supposed to do this. I should probably take this with me to my new job. But she said, I just really think you could do something with this song. And she said, uh, it's called watermelon crawl. And I kind of laughed and I said, well, <laughs> okay, I'll give it a listen, you know? And, and I did. And the, the demo, the de- demo tape of it was, was nothing like our record turned out. 
in fact, it was really not good at all. <laughs> it, r- really, really bad. And and but the lyrics were I thought were hilarious, you know, and and I thought the story and everything else was great. Yeah. But it really lacked any groove at all, you know. Uh, it was it was real, almost mid tempo, and just like I say, just not good. They missed it on it, I thought, and uh, and so I took it in the studio, and and me and the musician sat there and listened to the demo one time, and I said, okay, I just wanted y'all to hear that, you know, to write the chart and. I said, but, you know, and I grabbed my guitar and kind of played this little groove that I heard in my head. And, and uh, you know, I said, I hear a guitar intro and, and Brent Mason, who's just amazing, you know, has been on every country record the last 30 years, probably. I said, I hear a guitar intro and he immediately played. We, we went out there and, and he said, like what? I said, like something funky, you know, and, and he immediately played that. You know that that lick, mm-hmm. and he was like he was like, oh no, that's not it. And I said, whoa, no, no. I said that is it. <laughs> I said that's exactly it. And he goes, I can probably do something better. I said, no, d- no, please. I said, <laughs> do that. I said, I like that. <laughs> you know, and and uh, and so he said, okay, all right. And uh, so that so we played it, and the band just jumped right in there, and it was over in about thirty minutes, and we were done. So. So uh, that it it uh, turned out to be just a huge record for me, and you know I'm so thankful that I that I ever got a hold of it, and and uh, and it was big hit and continues to be the most requested song in my shows. I mean, they start screaming "Watermelon Crawl" as soon as we walk on stage, and that's why I don't do it till the last song. <laughs> 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 that that that's a great song and a great story and it's exciting to hear that the demo wasn't um like a lot of people would have just passed on it if the demo wasn't uh good but that, that's good. well i think it, it probably had been passed on a few times you know uh yeah because it it was really you really had to listen through it and and uh and i had uh kind of learned by then that you know not to just pass immediately you know uh if you know give it a little bit of a chance uh and and that one i was glad i gave it a little chance oh absolutely and and a song that i'm really fond of as well is uh lately been dreaming about babies and i've i haven't uh, correct me if i'm wrong but that's not on an album correct no it's not it's it's a kind of crazy story we were get we were working on that album Joe Galante, who was the president at RCA, by this time I'm over on RCA Records, and which is where the lady went that, that left my other label, and that's how I ended up over at RCA. <laughs> <laughs> she invited me to come over there. Uh, but but Joe was the president of B&A and Arista and, and RCA, and we were working on this record, and we get a call that Joe wanted to talk to us, you know, like immediately. And so we go over there, the writer of that song was a guy named Reggie Ham, and Reggie, from the story I got, was looking for a record deal. And he came in and met with Joe and had his guitar, and he played this song called "Dreaming About Babies." And Joe said, "Well, look, man, I, I don't, I can't give you a record deal, but, but I got an artist that I would think could really would 
love to do that song, you know. And so that's he called us over, and by the end had got the demo of the song, and and he just wanted us to cut it. It was apparent that we were going to cut that song, and and uh, and I really liked the song. I I loved it immediately. I thought it was a great song. We recorded it and put it out as a single even before we were finished with the album, and it just didn't resonate, I guess, at radio, and and I think it may have got to. 30 or something like that, but, but just was not a big hit, you know? And I still have a lot of fans that ask me about that song because they really love that song, kind of like you mentioned it. And so it, when it wasn't a hit, I was like, well, you know, why, since we're not done with the record, you know, why put it on a record? Because, you know, nobody really paid any attention to it. Uh, and, you know, that would just clog up a slot that, that I could put something else on the record. And so that's kind of the story behind it. Uh, I don't even do this song live, you know, I mean, because not that, I mean, a few people will ask me about it, but, but uh, m- most people, you know, don't remember it. But thank you for, for speaking of it, because it was a good song and a good record. Uh, but, uh, but just never saw the light of day. Gotcha. Well, that's a shame, because that is a great song. And I don't know of any other song that says Osmobile in it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they talk about they talk about Chevys and Fords all the time, but nobody ever talks about Oldsmobiles. <laughs> no. And another song you've got that um, I I feel like it was a little ahead of its time as far as where the music went is your duet with Mark Chestnut. That's a good way to get on my bad side. Yeah. Now that record I I love and and uh and we did release that as a first single off of a Ten Rounds album and but uh, yeah that. Uh, uh, Mark and I had been wanting to do a duet and had really put the word out, you know, and was trying to find uh, the right song. And and that song came across Billy Walker's desk, my producer at the time. And, and uh, Billy said, man, I think this song might work for you and Chestnut. And, and sure enough, uh, Chestnut loved it. I loved it. We went in and made a great record to it. I mean jamming really rocking kind of song and and you're probably right it probably was a little ahead of ahead of the curve i mean you know in the last 10 years it probably would have been a big big record uh but uh country was kind of right on the cusp of of making that you know that turn into what it has become and uh so yeah we probably missed just a little bit but that one still i think we still had a decent hit with it you know it's still pretty well known and in fact, I play it. Uh, it's my intro music before we announce um, my, myself every night. That's the last song we play before we come out on stage. Uh, and uh, and uh, Mark, uh, I try to get Mark to do it every now and then when we're on shows together, but he can't ever remember the words. <laughs> well, my, my, my favorite line is, and all that boy band crap. I love that line. It's like classic to me. <laughs> Gary LaVox with Rascal Flatts called me the first time he heard it, and he goes, are y'all talking about us with all that boy band crap? (laughs) I said, no, man. (laughs) Oh, it's great. uh, I I love it. Yeah. And, of course, you can't talk to Tracy Bird without talking about Holden Heaven. And just I'll let you go again, the story there, how that came to you how you worked on it and uh, cause that, that kind of broke it through for you. 
and uh, it's still and it's a classic today. It's still everywhere. Interesting story. We I had I had cut a full album with with Keith Stegall uh, mm. producing, and uh, of course Keith produced all the Alan Jackson records. Uh, a bunch of just a real successful guy, great songwriter and singer, and uh, and we had, did the whole record and. We'd released a song I wrote as the first single called "That's the Thing About a Memory," and and it it did okay, but not what we were you know expecting. So the label got a little backed up a bit, and and Tony Brown, who was the vice president at MCA, who's produced everybody, you know George Strait, Reba, Winona, uh, Vince Gill, you know he's he's done them all. Uh, he said, "Look," he said, "You and Keith did a good record," but he said. I think we were a little short on real friendly radio singles, you know. Uh, he said, what if we went in the studio, me and you, and cut like three more sides and just see what we think? He said, I got, you know, I got some songs. We'll put the feelers back out that we're looking for a few more songs. And he said, but I got a song right now. He said that that Bill Kenner and Tom McHugh wrote. He said, and Bill brought it to me. And uh, he said, uh, but y'all were already done cutting. He said, but he brought it to me with you in mind. And, and uh, he said, but y'all already finished the record. And and so he played me holding heaven. And uh, and I I loved it. I said, man, that's that sounds like radio, you know, written all over it. So we went in and we cut. Someone to give my love to, which was, I was a big Johnny Paycheck fan. You know, I covered two of his songs, had hits on two of them. But we cut Mm -hmm. Someone to Give My Love To, and we cut uh, Hold in Heaven, and we cut a duet with uh, the late Don Sears, who was one of the greatest girl singers in Nashville, in my opinion, and it's called Out of Control, Raging Fire. It was never a single, but but I thought it was a really great addition to the record. and. and so anyway, after we got all those cut, they decided, well, you know, let's let's release someone to give my love to first. And so we released it, and it got to 16, I think. So it was, got a lot further than uh, that's the thing about a memory did, and uh, really got us some momentum. And we released the album on that single. And what got them, you know, really fired up, you know, they're all about sales is the ultimate thing. And and we had someone to give my love to out there, and we released the album on the single. And within, I don't know, four or five weeks, we had sold like two hundred eighty thousand albums. Oh and gosh. so they're, they're like, they were like, "Wow, people really want your product," you know. And I said, "Good, <laughs> let's get something else out." <laughs> and uh, and and so so we come right back behind it with "Holding Heaven" with a really, you know, really fired up promotion staff and and record label and and uh. And I think it took about shoot twelve, fourteen weeks or something to get to number one. And and uh, so that was that was a, a a great song and good timing and and everything went really well. And and of course the album went gold after that. And uh, and and things just kept rolling from there. Well, that's wonderful. We only have a few minutes left, and I wanted to ask uh, your new album, the 2016 album, 2017 album, and American Texan. I, and you're a very, very proud Texan, and to close this out, 
what does it mean to you to be a Texan? Because Texans are so proud of where they come from. And I'm just so curious how that sits in your identity and, and what you love about being a Texan. It's sometimes hard to explain, uh, but when you're born here, for instance, this kind of explains it pretty well. Mm-hmm. You take mm-hmm. Texas history in school in Texas before you take U.S. history. <laughs> and that's Makes the sense. truth. I've heard that before. And that's the truth. <laughs> so, so, so that kind of puts the way we're all raised, you know. We're raised to think us first, everybody else second. <laughs> and, and, uh, and, and that's kind of, you know, the truth. And the whole, you know, Lone Star flag, you know, the Lone Star State, uh, you know, we, it, there's just, I think, from back all the way to the Alamo, we've always felt like it was us against everybody else, you know, and, yeah. and that we were the best. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, uh, it's, sometimes it's kind of arrogant, and, uh, but, but we do think we're pretty special, and, uh, and we think our state's really special. And, and, but, you know, I meet people from all over the country, and pretty much everybody loves where they come from you know, uh, and proud of where they come from and, and defend where they come from. And, and, uh, that's how we are here. And we're just maybe a little bit over the top with it. Everything's uh, bigger. (laughs) Yeah. Everything's bigger. And, and we are, we're a big state, you know, and, and, uh, we, you know, we encompass a lot of different types of terrain and territory and people and ethnicities and you know it's 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 a really unique place uh and and uh you just grow up loving it and you grow up proud of it and you 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 like uh the kind of people that are here and and what what people stand for and and uh it's just a it's just an interesting place and and a very prideful place and and uh and there's a lot to sing about, you know, I mean, there's a lot to write and sing about in Texas and, uh, and it's, it's, uh, just the way, you know, things are here. And, and, and that was, you know, I, all through my career, I, I was not, you know, I was very upfront about being from Texas. I, you know, I cut a lot of songs about Texas. Uh, I, every night on stage, I had a you know, 12 by eight rug that was the, Texas flag. And that's what I stood on every night. You know, uh, my guitar straps have the state of Texas on, on the strap, you know, in a metal concho that was custom made with the state of Texas on it. And, uh, so, uh, so I've all, you know, I've been proud of that, but that particular record was like my, uh, my answer to, to being a, there's a, there's a whole other type of music, which I'm sure you guys have heard about, you know, the Texas music. Uh, mm-hmm. it's a whole, it's a whole other genre, all its own down here. Uh, and there's some great, great artists and great singers and songwriters involved in it that, that a lot of people all over the country have never really heard of. And, and that's changing though, uh, you know, with, with the different way people get music now and streaming and, you know, Spotify and however else you may get your music. It's a lot of these Texas acts are, are getting discovered other places and, and I think that's great because there's always been, you know, all the way back to the days of, 
you know, Jerry Jeff Walker and, uh, mm. uh, and there came Robert Earl Keane. And, uh, you know, there's been these great Texas artists that, uh, that just toured Texas and Oklahoma and, and kind of never really ventured far out of that. But, uh, but that album was kind of my answer to, uh, for years, the Texas music scene frowned on you and thought you were a sellout if you went to Nashville, you know, and, and if you were yeah. a national recording artist, so that that was kind of my answer to saying, "Hey, I might be a Nashville recording artist. I may tour nationally, but uh, but I'm still a Texas artist too." And uh, and so that was kind of my answer to all that. Well, that is lovely, and uh, the Texas pride is is ever present in everything you do. And uh, we're sorry you're spending a little bit more time there and not touring around the country, coming up to us and playing for us, but. Uh, Man, I am too. I hope it gets back to normal real soon. I really do. Well, we do Absolutely. too. Tracy Bird, thank you so much. This was fun. Well, thank you guys. I really appreciate you having me on and a uh, great interview and good luck to y'all. Thank you. Hope y'all doing okay. Same to you. Yeah, and stay safe. We'll see you out on the road soon. All right. Sounds good, guys. Have a good one. Right. You too. You too. Oh, so pleasant to chat with uh, Tracy. I uh, saw him in uh, February of 2019 at uh, Buck Owens Crystal Palace. Met him. Uh, got a picture with him. A super cool guy, and it was a pleasure to interview him. Oh, that was so much fun. You know, and I really enjoyed that lesson on Texas music. And I love that he was so interested and open to talking about his hits and the deep, the deeper cuts, or in your case, some songs that didn't even make the cut. Yeah, <laughs> on some records. So, is there a recording of that? Um, uh, thinking I, about babies. Yes. Or is it all? Yeah. Go ahead. No, there is because uh, I was working at radio at the time it came out, and uh, I fell in love with that song instantly. It's just so, so. Uh, so relatable in many ways, but not at that time. I mean, I, I was in high school, but just very, uh, very nice ballad. And I'm um, so glad he recorded it. And, um, you know, it, it was neat to hear the story of why that didn't make the album. And, and I asked Wade Hayes that on one of his songs, too, because it's interesting to hear that these songs get released sometimes maybe not in, in uh, an album format, uh, at mm -hmm. least back in the back in the 90s and early 2000s before digital became such a big proponent of music that they release a song to radio, you expect it will be on the next album, and oftentimes it, it isn't. So it, it's really neat to hear these stories. Absolutely. So here's to the many more stories I hope we will get to hear on this show. But for the Music Universe podcast, I'm Matt. And I'm Buddy. Thanks for listening, and keep checking out themusicuniverse.com. Music Universe.com.